You know, none of us, none of us live forever in these mortal bodies. It's just a, it's just a fact. You know, if the second coming of Christ tarries, most of all, will most of us will have a birth date and a death date. It's just the way it is. Right now, we're living in the dash, but the day will probably come when we have that there and there. You know, but what if you knew that that your life would come to an end soon? I mean, what if you knew? Would it change some of the things in your life? Would it, uh, would it, would it change the, the way that you maybe spend your time? Would it give you a, maybe a sense of, of urgency? How might it alter the intentionality that you give to your family or to your friends, to your church family? What would you want to communicate to the significant people in your life? If you knew, like, oh, man, I'm here soon. This is my life is, is going to be done on this earth. What would you say? What is it that you'd want to get across to those you, you really care about? As your pastor, I've asked myself these questions this week, particularly what I would want to make sure that, that you as, as believers, you, the family of, of First Baptist Mont Bellevue, what you would take hold of and try to, what I would want to impress upon you regarding faith in Christ. Now, don't worry, I don't have a particular premonition about my own life or my mortality. I don't know when that day will come. But the author of our passage that we're, that we're studying about here in Second Peter, Peter knows that his days are limited. He knows the day will soon come when his life will be extinguished. In fact, in the, in the very chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, he writes this in verse 14. I, he says, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. My death is imminent. It's coming. As our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. Now, we don't know how Jesus made it clear to Peter that he would soon die. Most scholars believe that he was, when, when he was writing these, these letters to the, to the churches that were scattered throughout modern-day Turkey, or Asia Minor in that day, that he was, he was writing from Rome. And that um, tradition actually says that he was martyred there in Rome about A.D. 68 under the emperor, the Roman emperor, Nero. A fire broke out and a lot of Rome was destroyed and Nero blamed Christians. Many of them were killed. They had, many of them had to leave. And some believe that he was brought in and was martyred because of his, of his faith. Again, though we don't have direct evidence, some believe that he was, he was crucified. That was very common. Um, the Romans were, were very good at that, that kind of um, torture leading to death. And they said many, many believe that he was crucified and because of his love for, for Jesus, he didn't feel worthy enough to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. And so he asked and they granted for him to be actually crucified upside down. Now we don't have any direct evidence of that, but that's the tradition that's been, that's been passed on. But all of this to say that Peter knew his, his death was coming. It was near Jesus had somehow revealed it to him. He's, he's now writing these two letters. And particularly here in 2 Peter, it's, a, it's almost as it's his last will and testament. 
churches, all believers, I want you to, to hear me. My, my life's about gone, and I'm writing these words. It's very, very important. Take hold of these things. In fact, if you go back a few verses uh, from the one I just read, we see really the urgency in which he's wanting his believers to take hold of these truths. 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, Peter says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. These are the seven qualities that we're looking at over these seven weeks. I want to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminders. I'm going to keep reminding you. In fact, all the way through this letter, I'm going to bring you back to this. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, after my death, I love that. Departure. That's a beautiful way to think of life and death. For believers in Christ, we don't just die, we depart. We go. We have a place, a destination. He says, so, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. I want you to get this. I want you to hold on to this because this is going to shape. This is going to change your life. This is the life that you've wanted. It's not maybe what you think, but this is the life that you want and need. He's saying, basically, as long as I have breath, I'm going to keep bringing these seven qualities to your attention. And his call to supplement their faith with these, with these things, these attributes, is the most important action plan he wants to leave with them. And he begins his letter with this. And if it's the most important for Peter... In these early churches, friends, it's, it's equally important to you and to me and all of us who belong to the faith family called First Baptist of Mont Bellevue. So let's hear his words again. This morning, you are here to listen to, to his words and take hold of it. If he were here preaching, he, he would have so much more uh, urgency and zeal. He'd be like... Hey, I'm, I'm about to go away. You hear these things. It is so important. He says, if these things, if the qualities, these seven things are ours and they're increasing, they keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful. Or he flippy says, if you have these things, you will be fruitful and effective in life and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. We can have the life that we've always wanted. Now, hint, it's not what, maybe what you think. It's probably not what we think. But it's definitely a life that's full of kingdom, God-glorifying purpose and meaning, spiritual influence and fulfillment, effectiveness, fruitfulness, eternal impact. That's what I want in my life. Friends, that's what I pray. I've prayed that for you all this week. Even as we've gathered here this morning, like, oh, oh, that we would take hold of these things and see change. Now, last week we saw the first quality of the, the first of these seven things was, was virtue, which is basically godly excellence or things that are honoring or anything that is, is worthy of praise. 
What I want to do, I want us to turn again to this passage, First or Second Peter chapter 1. I want us to, to look there. Grab your phones, grab your iPads, grab your Bibles. Second Peter's in the back of the Bible. Revelation, Jude, a couple letters of John, and then Second Peter. Let's look again at these, these qualities. Hear his urgency. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 3 and we'll go through verse 5. Peter writes that God's divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's nothing lacking. He's given it all through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That word excellence, virtue. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. I'll stop there. There's, there's five more qualities, self-control and all, but we're going to focus our, our time this morning on knowledge. Now, last week, again, we said that these seven qualities, they don't exist in isolation. They, are, they all fit together. Peter puts them together sequentially and intentionally. They're like, um, I, I gave the illustration of, of gears. They're like a gear. Faith is the, is the main gear. It's the hub of it all. And then to, to, to this, this quality of faith, our, the way we live out our relationship with Jesus, our faith and trust in Him, is we, we're to add to it virtue the things of God, the things that are excellent, that we don't make up these things. We look to God and we see who he is, all of his excellencies, all of the things that are great and glorious about him. And we're like, hey, that's what I want. I want to try to emulate that. And we add that to our faith. And then to our faith, we add, we add knowledge or to our, to our virtue, we add knowledge. Now, our very relationship with God through Christ is obviously founded upon faith. I think that's why he's, he's saying begin with faith. It's about your faith. Paul describes what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, to live out our faith. He says we've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It's therefore not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, we live every day by faith in Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. We walk by, not by sight, but but by faith. We trust the Lord. Christian life is a journey of of faith and trust, the ups and downs, but we trust. We, we place our faith because we know God is good. He's, he's faithful. He's, he's kind and gracious and merciful. And so again, this main gear, we are to supplement or add virtue, this moral character that is, 
excellent, honorable, and praiseworthy. Now, again, Peter is calling us to add knowledge to virtue. And I think there's, a, there's an important reason why he didn't begin with knowledge and then say, then, then add virtue to that. He's like, here, what you do, you, you begin, you add to your faith virtue, the things that are praiseworthy. Look to God and see, see all the things that are just worthy and, and, and those, those moral, beautiful things about God and emulate those. Pray for them. Ask God to, to give them, to help you to live those things out. But then how do we do that? Well, then you have to, you have to know God. You have to know who he is to, to be able to, to, to uh, fit those things together. Virtue, then knowledge. So what is knowledge? One author defines knowledge as the foundation of spiritual discernment and wisdom. It's not just knowing information, knowing facts about God, but it's taking the, the biblical truths and applying them to life with, with discernment and, and insight. We're not just walking heads around here. We learn about him. We gain knowledge, but then we put it into, into use in our lives and into faith. It's interesting, this word for knowledge in verse 5, it's a little bit different. If you look just up at verse 3, you'll see the same word knowledge, but it's a little bit of a different word. That first word in verse 3 speaks of this relational and intimate knowledge of God. I, I mentioned last week, it's like, you, you all know me, but my wife really knows me, right? She, she has a deeper, intimate knowledge of me, deeper than just informational. But the word that he's using here in verse 5 is more about this general knowledge of God that leads to godly living. It's, it's bringing the, the truths about God and then courageously living them out. It's like, all right, here's the truth. Here's a truth about God and His work and His ways. This is true. And I'm going to believe it because I know God is virtuous. He's, he's honorable. He's praiseworthy. And that truth is all about who He is. And if he's called me to this truth, then I can trust him. I'm going to live that out no matter what. Because I can believe it. And I can know it and live it out courageously. Now again, Peter isn't just talking about, about any kind of knowledge. There's, you just think in the world, there's lots of smart people around us. There's a lot of smart people down here. A lot of smart people in this church. A lot, a lot smarter than me. And today, you know, with access to the, to the internet, advances in technology, we have more information at our fingertips than at any other time in history. We are people of just of great, a wealth of knowledge. But an apostle Paul, in his letter to his, his protege, his disciple, young man named Timothy, he tells and he talks about the worldliness of the last days. He's like, in these last days, you're going to see this. He starts listing all of these things. Second Timothy 3, 7. Then he also says, we're all, these people will also be always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Sometimes I feel like that. Like I'm learning. I love to read. I love to study. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of a nerd in that way. I, I like to learn, like to read, like to keep up with current events and just kind of, I know a little about a lot. I don't know a lot about a little, but I know, 
That's just kind of kind of my life. But you, we can always we can be about learning it, gaining knowledge. But if it's if it's not lived out, what what good is it? But we're filled with people today that are like that. All they want to do is argue. They all just they want to be critical of others and political parties, all the stuff. And we hold our we think we know the truth. But our truth is based upon a, an empty knowledge. And then we're we're gonna we're we're going to people glue their glue their their hands to 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 um, to the roads to keep people because they, they they believe that hey our earth is gonna and it may be, who knows, right? But they, they somehow have come to this truth and they, they'll throw paint on works of art. And, but we all do like crazy things. We get passionate about something that we think that we know outside of real truth. It's like we're always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. The truth. So isn't what Peter is talking about isn't just, just a blanket knowledge. He's, he's speaking about truth, knowledge of the truth. So what is truth? We could do a whole sermon on that, but I'm just going to give you three things. Because these truths will help shape knowledge, godly knowledge. First, we need to know the truth of God's word. We need to know that truth is ultimately found in God's Word. We're not going to find it in some other source. John 17, 17, Jesus, this is called this high prayer, beautiful prayer. Jesus is praying, and he says, oh, sanctify them, oh God, in truth. Your Word is truth. God's Word is truth. Psalm 119, that whole psalm is about God's word and, and all that it is. Verse 160, it's a, big, it's a long chapter. In verse 160, it says, the sum of your word is truth. You add all of this up together and it equals truth. This is truth. And every one of your righteous rules or everything that's in this book endures forever. It's truth and this word has been around forever, and it's going to endure forever. This truth you can bank on today, tomorrow, and forever. His word is truth. God's word is truth. If knowledge of God is the pathway to life that we've always wanted, if knowledge is one of those things that help us experience and know the life that we always wanted, again, not that... Not, the, not, not in our minds what we really think, but what God really wants for our life. It's going to begin with his word. Doesn't it seem like we, we just keep coming back to that truth? I mean, we, I, sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record. Like, hey, hey, it's all right here. It's in this book right here. This is our life. This is, God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness, and it's right here. We want to, this is why we gather. This is why we have Bible studies. This is why we have life groups. This is why we encourage you to have quiet times or, or personal Bible study time, whatever you want to call it. We, this is life to us. To add knowledge to virtue means that we, 
need to be people of the book. There's no other way around it. I wish there was something, well, it is simple. But there's really no other way. If we're going to know truth and let it shape virtue or moral excellence that feeds into faith, making us effective and fruitful in our lives, we have to spend some time in this book. Friends, it's impossible. It is impossible to know God without knowing the Bible. It is impossible to know God without knowing the Bible. Again, that's, I mean, we're, we, we want to make the word cent- central. Uh, this is why we, that's why we emphasize life groups. That's why we encourage you to get a part of a, yeah, there's, we pray together, there's community in there, but what we do, they, we get around the word. That's the most important thing that we do in our life groups. Now, we, we lean upon one another. We can share needs in there. There's a, there's a sweet communion in there, and your life group will be what you give to it and what people give, give back into you. But what we need more than anything is to spend time and get to know God through his word. That's why we gather corporately. We, we sing that, that first song that we just sang. Came, came right out, comes right out of the psalm, Psalm 8. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We sing the word. We preach the word. We pray the word. When we have the Lord's Supper or we see baptism, we, we get to see and witness the word. We're a people of the book. We're about the word. Personal study. That's why I continue to encourage you, always encouraging you. And don't, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, if you need to start with five minutes, open up and read a, a couple of verses. Man, that would be awesome. It, it'll, it'll, it'll make a difference. If you can spend 15 minutes in the morning or, or in the evening on the way to work. You know, you, you, can, you can download the ESV dot, uh, app, ESV.org, download the app, and the thing will read to you. It'll read the scripture to you. And not only that, but you can pick a couple of voices. There's a lady on there, Kristen Getty, and she's uh, from Ireland. She's a singer, but she's got a, just a beautiful Irish voice. I love listening to her read the scripture. And then, the, then there's a guy that reads it, and man, it just, you, you listen to it, and you're drawn in. I mean, on your way to, on, some of you drive 30 minutes, drive to Katie, you know, Beaumont. Listen to the word. Let it pour over your life. There's a, another just very simple um, in fact, I was looking at it even last night, Bible.com, Bible.com. It uses something called version. You can select all these different versions of the Bible, same thing. You can read, you can, have it, you can listen to it. Not only that, but there's a, there's a little thing up at the top that says plans. You can click on that, and there's all kinds of plans, like five days in the Word. If you're brand new to studying, you, there's, you can look down and there's like all these little plans to, to get, just get you going. And they'll give you scriptures to even focus on. And not only that, there's all kinds of other things. Like if you're going through difficulties, anxiety, there's a plan there for that. If you're going through depression or, or uh, just any kind of difficult, there's those kinds of things. And they'll bring scripture to, to life. And it's a beautiful resource just to let the word get into your life, speak to you, encourage you, build you up. 
to know God, to know God, we have to know his word, have to spend some time there. Not only is God's word truth, but Jesus is also truth. Beautiful passage in John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is truth. He is not a truth, not some truth. He is the truth. I want to share another scripture that kind of just brings this to life. 1 John 5, 20. Listen to this. Look at it. And we know that the Son of God, Jesus, He has come and He's given us understanding so that we may know Him. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived and died. He's ascended. He's at the right hand right now. He's interceding on our behalf. He came that we might understand and that we might know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is true God and eternal life. Jesus came that we might know God. You can't know God without the Scripture, and we can't know God without Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, if you you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The more you study and learn about Jesus, the more you know about God. Light. Paul says it this way, for God has said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of God, the weight, the significance, the beauty, the awesomeness of who God is. That's the glory of God. And we see that in Christ. We see it as we look into the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is what Jesus has done for us through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. To know and accept the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done is to take hold of the of the knowledge that truly transforms and changes your life forever. Do you want to know God? you want to be in relationship with God? It's through Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to have the life you've always wanted? It begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. He gave his life so that we might have life and have it to the full. said last week that I mark up my Bible. You see, there's blue all in there. Another one that I use is red. Anytime I see something about Jesus, something about what he's done on the cross, something about grace, anything about redemption, I color it in red. And so I love just going through. There's red all in here. You see the, 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 the beauty of salvation and all that Jesus does. It's all throughout here. In fact, you'll see it in the, in the Old Testament. I got red all over here. There's red all throughout our Bible. All that Jesus is and has done. Spend time with Jesus. Think about what he's done. And I'm going to give you a little bit more here in just a minute. God's word is truth. Jesus is truth. And third, the gospel is truth. The gospel is truth. Listen to Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
So the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation, and, you, and when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, let me just break this down. It's absolutely beautiful. Here's where knowledge of the truth and the gospel of embrace hope. So you follow this progression and this passage. We, first, we hear the word of truth. We hear the gospel of salvation, of, of, of being saved, being delivered, being brought out of sin and the penalty of sin and the destruction that sin brings into our spiritual life. We've been delivered out of that. We hear the good news, this gospel. And then we believe in Jesus. It's like you hear it and you're like, he opens our eyes and it's like, yes. I, I love it. We've had some, I've had some just beautiful conversations with some of our children who've, who've, been, who've come to faith. And we're um, thinking, getting ready for baptisms. You saw one a couple, was it two weeks ago? Violet. And I, I just, I, I, mean, I love like, hey, tell me a little bit about your, your story. And then it's like, well, yeah, I was, like, I was at camp, and uh, I just I felt like the, the Lord was like knocking on my heart, and and um, I, I wanted to be in relationship with Him, so I, I like I said yes to Jesus, let Him into my life, and now I want to serve Him and live with Him. And so, why do you want to be baptized? I want to show I want to show everybody, I want to show our church what what He's done in my life. I'm like, wow, and He He took all my sins on that board, and He's just they're erased, they're gone. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's it. That's the gospel of truth. And that changes us forever. We hear the gospel. We believe in Jesus. And in that very moment, we are new. We are brand new. That old person has been buried. This is why we, we practice immersion. It's a beautiful picture. Buried with him in baptism. And then we're raised. We're brought up out of death. We're something new. A new creation. The way we think the way we respond, our decision-making, our priorities, our motives. Friends, everything changes. We're new, brand new. Then, the, then another miracle happens. This passage says that we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So that salvation, that, that deliverance, all that, that change, Jesus like, hey, I'm giving you the Spirit, and what he's going to do, he's going to seal it. And that seal cannot be broken. It can never be taken from us. We can't lose it. Just like we can't be good enough to earn salvation, friends, we can't be bad enough to have it taken away from us. Because if it were that, if, if that were the case, then it's all about me. And then it's all about my glory and about what we get to do and what we don't do. We either live in fear because we're afraid that we're going to lose it or we're, we're trying to work and earn our way there. And it's not about us. It's about him and what he's done. And he has sealed it. He has given us his spirit and it is, it is, it's held, held for us. And he is not going to turn loose. You cannot pry it out of his hands. It's held in guarantee. One day we will surely take possession of it fully. We do experience it now. We experience the new life. But then... We're, we're not, there's no more sin, no more struggle, no more pain, and we'll see it and experience perfectly. This is the truth that gets us through those difficult times. 
This is the truth that gets us through those times of doubting. This is the truth that enables, enables us to endure the ups and downs and hard trials of life. God's Word, Jesus Himself, and the Gospel, or the good news, is the knowledge that we add to virtue, which is connected to faith. So this is the truth. Knowledge, true knowledge, is based upon truth that's found in His Word, that's found in Christ, and that's found in the Gospel. So you're like, well, okay, that's great, Pastor. How do I... So what do we do? What do we do here? Glad you asked. Here's what I want to just give us some just practical things. I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give you some homework. And I want you, you're not going to get graded on it. You're not, I'm going to hold you accountable. I want, I, want, I want you to give this a shot this week. Here's the first thing. I want us together to read the book of James. There it is. Read the book of James. One chapter a day. Now, James has five chapters. A week has seven days. So I'm giving you two freebies. So if you miss a day, it's all right. You know, you can't, you can't get there. Something comes up. It's all right. Next day, read the next chapter. We're all going to just read the book of James. I picked James, one, because it has five chapters. And two, there's just a lot. There's promises and there's calls to, to grow in Christ. And here's what I want you to do. Here's another thing. I want you to, to look for two things. I want you to look for, as you read the chapter, promises to claim and commands to follow. Now, in my Bible, when I flip over here to James, and I'm going to read it this week. I've read it uh, lots of times. So you come over here to, to James. And in James... Chapter 1, you, you can't see this. Maybe you can. There's all kinds of green right there. There's all kinds of green areas to grow. And there's all kinds of blue. That's another reason why I picked James. You're going to find all kinds of wonderful promises to claim. And as you read, maybe you take a blue pen. Or what I use is just those little um, color pencils. And I just go, I just, man, there's a promise. Right there's one, two, three, four, five, right there in, in the first chapter. And then there's, then I take green. Anytime there's like, here's a, here's a command or here's an area I can grow in Christ. I, I color those. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's a whole bunch of them there. So as you read the chapter, look for those things. And when you see a promise, man, thank God. Get, just stop right there and give praise because God's promises are true. And they are, they were, they are always yes. They are always Yes. He will always fulfill them. Then if you see something there, then green, then this, that's an area to, to, to grow. So again, maybe just read, highlight, take one minute and pray. Give him thanks for the promises. And then ask God to maybe help you with one of those, those areas of green to grow in, to a command to follow. God, help me. Help me. He says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. You can just stop right there. That's a green. God, help me. Give me the grace to count it all joy right now in the midst of this, of this struggle. Okay? So the book of James. Here's the second thing. 
I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to, um, really, this flows out of what we just said about the, um, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done. I, w- I want to ask you to share your story. You're like, what story? Well, the story of, the, of what God has done in your life. It doesn't have to be, it's not fancy, right? So for some of us, it's, it's, maybe it was a progressive thing over many years. Maybe you were a young child. Maybe, maybe like Violet, last week, it was, it's at camp. Um, maybe uh, we heard a beautiful testimony in our men's gathering this Saturday. Uh, Galen shared, um, grew up in church, and, uh, but man, got serious when he got married and God just began to do some, some stuff in his life. It's just beautiful. Shared his, shared his testimony. I want you to share your testimony with somebody this week. You're like, man, you're, you're, well, that's, that's kind of scary. I'm not even sure I know exactly what to say. Well, here's, here's what I want you to do. If you're, if you're married, I want you just to share with your spouse. You're like, well, I think they already know it. Well, share it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my testimony with my wife. She knows me. She knows my testimony, but I'm going to do it. She's going to do it with me. If, um, if you have kids, I want you to share your testimony with your kids. You're like, well, they're little. Well, they need to hear it. They, they, they need to hear it. If you don't have a spouse or children, just share it with a, a real close friend of yours. Like, hey, can I share something with you? My pastor gave me an assignment. And he's going to ask me next week, so, so I better do it. No, I'm not going to do that. But. Your story is the story of faith that Peter is talking about. It's that main gear it's the big gear to which all these seven qualities are added. So here's, a, I mean, just a, the simplest of outline. When did you know that you needed Jesus? I mean, when did you know? How did that, how did that come to your mind? It's like, you know, for me, I was a child. I was, uh, I don't remember, it was a, I think it was a Wednesday night. We came back from church, and I was just feeling heady. And I talked, and I said, man, I feel, it's like sin. And we talked about sin, and I, I need to make this right. And that's kind of where it began for me. I think I was in first grade. Like, ah, I began to feel that. When did, you, when did you know that you needed Jesus? And then what did Jesus do for you? What did he do? How did he, like, hey, I had this sin problem, but how did he take care of it? When Jesus came, he lived the perfect life. He went to a cross and he, and die. he took, took the shame, took the punishment, took it all. And when I trust in him, when I called out to him, when I said yes to him, he came in and forgave me. He wiped that slate clean. And he gave me a new life, purpose full of meaning. That's what Jesus did for me. And then what changed in your life? I said, man, I'm not perfect. still have my ups and downs. But now, I, now I, have a, I have a sense of hope. I, there's a joy that I hadn't known before. It's, uh, yeah, it's still hard, um, but man, I'm clinging to his promises. When did you know you needed Jesus? What did Jesus do for you? What changed in your life? Now, some of you may be here this morning, and you're like, well, I don't, even, I don't have a testimony. I don't even think I have a testimony. Well, friends, you can't. You absolutely can. 
He loves us. He's given his life for us. And today you can turn to him and accept this incredible gift. We can't earn it. We can't work our way toward it. He gives it. You receive it. Just say, Lord, I want you into my life. I want you to be in control of my life. Oh, give me Jesus. I want you. And your testimony begins. Brother, I'll be down here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. If you're like, Master, I have some questions. Oh, I'd love to visit with you more about it. One more thing. So we're going to read the book of James. And we're going to share our testimonies. One more thing. I want you to pray for our church. You know, we're growing. There's a lot of things happening. And that's when the enemy loves to come in and try to bring disunity. Um, and I want us to pray. I want us to pray for our church. You know, if you, if you hear it first, go to First Peter. If you go to the end of, this, end of his book, he, he writes uh, this, just a beautiful little, little prayer, benediction. There in uh, chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 18. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe use that, 2 Peter 3.18, just to pray for our church. Oh, Father, help us to grow in grace. Help us to be people of grace. And help us, help us to be people of, of knowledge. Knowledge in the truth. Not just puffed up in the head, but a knowledge that is active, that changes, that transforms, that connects our knowledge of God and His Word and, and, and Jesus Christ and the work that He's done for us. And it connects with virtue and faith, and it makes a difference. Use this prayer as a benediction as a prayer for our church. Ask God to enable us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that he might receive the glory and praise now and forevermore. Read James. Share your story. Pray for our church. Those three things. That's how we grow in knowledge. That's how we connect knowledge some simple ways to connect knowledge to virtue and to faith. Let's pray. Father, do, oh, that you would do a work in our lives and do a work in our church. Oh, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not that we might have a name for our sake, not that we could say, look at what we've done. Look at what, what's happening here. That stuff doesn't matter. It, as Peter says, to him be glory both now, right now, in these days, and, and throughout all of eternity. Give us grace. Help us to grow in knowledge, true knowledge. Not to be puffed up, but God, to, to engage those things with our faith that, that changes everything. 
pray maybe even this week we would leave here and say, you know, I know some people as well that, that need to connect to Christ. Maybe we grab some of those connect cards. We know some people that need to know Christ, need to know and experience community, to grow in, in the knowledge of Christ, maybe for the first time. Maybe help us to be faithful in that. And I pray, Father, this week as, as we, as a, as a church, as maybe those who are listening, those who are here that, that aren't yet a part of this body, that as, maybe as we read and spend time in the book of James this week, oh, that you would, your, your word, the knowledge of your word would impact us and change us. We would see promises to claim and have a, a new joy and hope knowing that your promises are always true. And then as we read and we see the green, the, those commands, those calls to grow in Christ, we would, we would not just sit idly by and go, okay, that's a neat verse, but we would, we would seek to follow, put feet to action. Oh, God, that we would share our testimony, share it with people that we're very close to, and then God, maybe give us the courage to share it with our path and oh that we would be a church that prays prays for unity that prays against the attack of the enemy that prays that we grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ oh Father give us Jesus